So we're going to carry on with our act of worship by listening to God's words. And um, today's sermon is based on Ephesians chapter 3, um, verses 14 to 21. Um, today and next Sunday we're going to be thinking a little bit about a framework of prayer. And uh, For those of you who were here last Sunday with us, you kind of heard my heart for and the longing for, 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 for growth, not only in numbers, but also in maturity. And um, if you have not had a chance to um, listen to that sermon, I normally do not publicize my sermons, but I would really encourage you to, to have a listen. to It's on the podcast on the church's website, um, because in one sense it sets the tone for what I long and what I want to see happening here at Cairns Road. But also, I'm very conscious that it's great to have dreams and passions like that. But unless they are grounded in prayer, where we show our reliance and dependence on God, then what's the point? So it seems like um, I'm, I'm swinging of actually getting excited and say, let's move forward. But on the other hand, just let's be realistic. Because actually, if we're thinking of that growth, if we're aspiring, and if we're encouraging that growth, when that growth happens, I want for us to look back at this day and say, we've done it because we've prayed to God and God has answered our prayers. And not look at this day and say, we've done it because... We're Kendrick and we're very good at doing this, this, this and that. So do you get my point? And it's great to see the heart of an apostle actually praying for churches that he has planted and he has invested and has given his life really to. So that's what we're going to be looking at um, today. So Ephesians chapter 4, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, verse 14 to 21 um, Paul has given a, a great theology, great background to why he, 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 he thinks um, being a follower of Jesus is important. He is always thanksgiving and prayerful, um, having um, prayed for the church in Ephesus. talks about grace, talks about the, the gospel and how mysterious this, this gospel is presented. And because... The gospel is God's gift to the world. He says that because it's mysterious, then I want to take this as mysterious and then bow on my knees. So he starts praying for them in the beginning of the chapter. And then it's one of those prayers that has got to have explanations about what he says. So he spends verse 2 to 13 explaining what he meant by that. And then he carries on his prayer in, in verses 14. Actually, the prayer really starts in, in verse 16, but, but that's, the, that's the beginning of, of the second part of the prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit 
in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Great. It's, it's, it's so amazing to see Paul in prison having to think about all these things that God has given him to do and his involvement and stuff. And it's, it's interesting how him, he, he's contemplating and he's looking after the people that he has brought the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the, 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 only, the only way at the moment that he, he can reach out to them is by sending them this letter, but also by exclusively mentioning that he is not departing from the whole idea that any church, any ministry, everything that they're doing is going to be blessed by God. And therefore, he has to come with that attitude of saying, but God, I've acknowledged you, I've experienced you, and because I've done that, I really want to to, to impart this. And that's why I'm praying these things for the Ephesians. But what is fascinating for the apostle here is the posture. And I think it's more than just the physical posture. He says, I'm bowing on my knees. I think it's a a heart posture. It's it's recognizing that who, who, who is in charge. Recognizing that that desperation, that God, the, the, the church in Ephesus is missing out if they, they don't embrace all this thing. So, so I'm pouring out my life, I'm pouring out my heart, I'm going on my knees, I'm desperate for them to experience. I'm desperate for them to, 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 to experience God's power. I'm desperate for them to experience the dwelling of Christ. I'm desperate for them to, to, to grasp the, the incalculable dimensions of God's love. I'm desperate for them to, to, to experience the fullness of God. And Paul is on his knees in prison pouring out his life, pouring out his heart over these dear people. Do you know why? Because Paul sees the church in the same way that God sees the church. 
Although the church is messy, although the church is messed up, although the church is a group of bunch people who come, it's made up with broken lives. God loves his church. And God loves you. And Paul has, has, has gone away from that mentality of trying to find out the faults. And, and, and you know, he's been there. And he says that there is no life. So, so somehow in his prayers, Paul is singing life over God's people. And that's what I want to do today, guys, with you. I want to sing life. I want to bring life. I want to, to speak over life over you. Because I believe in the church of God. I believe in you. And I love you. Not because this love comes from me and I'm Maki. No, because God loves you. And unless I tune my love for you with God's love, it's hard sometimes, then I'm scuppered. We're not part of a church. It's just a club. And I think this is what, what Paul is trying to address here. So his, his, port, his posture, he is on his knees for the church. His attitude is that, God, there is no other way. You bring in life. There is no other way. You speak into this. There is no other way unless they grasp these things. Otherwise, what's the point of being church? Paul's prayer as well is Trinitarian. There is, there is an element there that we see from the whole Trinity. He talks about God the Father. He talks about Christ the Son. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And he knows that, that actually because, because, because it's Trinitarian, then it goes straight back to that mission heart of God. When the Father sent his Son and the Son finished what He needed to be finished and left us with the Holy Spirit. Trying to, rem- to remember for Himself maybe, but also to the, to the people who are receiving this letter that actually in this approach they're not alone. They've got a relationship with God Almighty who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. What else do you want? It's, 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 it's a little bit like what I say um, when, when I speak to, to, to my friends in Albania about the English weather. They make fun of me because I usually put pictures of miserable weather in England. And my last comment is, I've taken a picture of a blue sky with the sunshine on my phone and I'll cherish that the whole year every time I see cloudy skies. And what I want to say by that is that God's relationship to his church and to his people is not like that picture that you take it only once and you cherish it every time it's going wrong. No, it's present. It's there. It's God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's there for us to to chip in. It's there for us to resource. It's there for us to come Two, if we're thinking about growth and maturity. 
It's not going to be the strategies that we put into place that is going to bring the growth. It's not going to be anybody's great ideas. But it's going to be God's work revealed in those strategies and those ideas. And that's, that's why we need to stay in tune with, with this relationship. It's, 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 it's a fantastic opportunity. It's a fantastic privilege and order to be part, to have this relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the third thing that Paul is trying to do with this prayer is that he wants for the Ephesians to expand their theological knowledge into practice. So, for example, if he's addressing the idea of love here, he knows that in chapter 1, 2, and 3, he's talked about this opportunity that God has given to the church for the Jews and the Gentiles to be together. Now, in real money, in real human terms, that's not possible. Because Jews and Gentiles don't stay together. So, so, what, so, so what Paul is trying to say here is that if that love is, is the outpouring of God's for us, then unless it's reflected in the way that we treat one another, unless we, it's reflected in the way that we journey with one another, then it's just theology and theory. And it doesn't have that experiential element of it, that, that expanding, that, that actually we, we, we become better lovers by, by seeing people fail, by seeing ourselves fail and saying, actually, we can't do it on our own. We want God's love to, to, to come to us. And we want for that God's love to be reaching to us in the same way that it reaches to you, to that person, to that person. But also that somehow in this God's economy of call, that is called church, that I'm able to impart that love, not because I can do it, but because I found it in God. And there is four things that, that, that he prays here for the Ephesians. If we look at the beginning, or well, halfway through the verse 16, it talks about strength, about power, the dynamis, that is, is the Greek word. So he says that I, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I mean, that sentence, I don't know if you've noticed, but from verse 12 till verse um, 19, um, no, sorry, from verse 14 to verse 19, it's one whole sentence. It's li- a little bit like me writing essays and my, whoever was marking my essay saying, you're writing like Paul with long, long sentences. And we, we, we need to, 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 to debunk that. We need to, to unfold it, what it means. So, so he's saying that, that these guys need to, to, to experience 
this power, this, and they need to be strengthened through this power in the spirit, in your inner being. And what are the areas that, that affect the, the strengthening of this? It's the riches of God's glory. It's the power that is found in God. It's his spirit. And where? In the inner man. Why, why is it important for Ephesians to be strengthened? They've got an apostle around them. They've got the, the, the excitement of the early church. They've got this, this revolutionary approach that actually they've been given this mandate and they're going to go and make disciples. Now we've got the first generation of Christians and followers of Jesus. Why is it important for them to be reminded that they need to be strengthened? i tell you why. Because I think what, what we see here in Ephesus and what we see from the church history is that it's very easy for us that we, once we've encountered the gospel, and we say, oh, this is easy, we can do it. Let's forget about the God of the gospel. Whereas I think Paul is trying to say to them that this strengthening, it's an ongoing process. He's going to, 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 to remind them later on that it's, it's about the roots and it's about the, the establishment. He uses two different uh, metaphors here. It uses the farming metaphor and the architecture metaphor. So it, it's that strengthening. And unless, unless there is life in that... Can you hear me now? I think you can hear me now. It's better. Um, unless this stops me from getting excited then. That's good. So the, the, the point that, that, that Paul is trying to, to make here is that when we, when we come to Jesus, it doesn't stop with us saying, yes, we want to be disciples. I think that's the spark of something bigger. And I think as, as churches, as Christian communities, this is one of the areas where we, where we struggle with. That we get so excited about bringing people to faith. We get so excited about people coming to Jesus. And then we say, there it is. Here's the church. That's your solution. Bye. Whereas for, for, for Paul here, it's that, that, that excitement that comes that actually, not only that the gospel is mysterious and people are responding, but this, there is this opportunity for you and me to grow. And the way that we can grow into this is by being strengthened, by being empowered by the riches of God. By being empowered by his power, by his spirit. And when we went at the church weekend away, I had this picture for Cairns. 
And um, last time Richard Taylor led worship, he talked a little bit about that. But I wanted to bring that here because I think it fits well with where we are as a church. I had this picture of the chandelier. And um, this chandelier, that was, it, it, it was magnificent. But it's, 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 it had a dimmer. And it looked to me like it was in the lower setting. And I've been praying about this. And it looks like God is saying that actually as a church, as Cairns, you've got much more potential. Why keep it at the lower setting? Why don't you allow God to, to, to put up the dimmer and lighten up the room for wherever God has called you as a church family? And this is, this is the same. It fits with, and that's what I pray, that somehow God in his, in his mighty power allows us to that place that we say, God, you're in control of the dimmer. Go for it. We're ready. The other thing that he prays here is not only strength, but he prays that the dwelling of Christ. And um, the, the verb that is used here in Greek is more to do with the settling in. Because I think perhaps the church in Ephesus, or maybe to this day, we also treat God as a nomad. And, uh, and what Paul is saying is that God's indwelling in you, once you've encountered Christ, is permanent. It's, 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 it's not like when my mother decides to come and visit the England that we, we're trying to fit plans around her or trying to, uh, she's coming in two weeks. Uh, we're thinking, oh, I cannot do this because... Uh, my mum is going to be here, or we need to be thinking about this and that and that. And it's, it, it, it's, it's temporary, because uh, thank goodness she's leaving on the 4th of October. But um, it's okay, I'm just joking. Don't say that to her. And I'm glad she doesn't understand English, so she, she could not listen to this podcast. But it's not like that. God, you've heard it, Yes. But God is not like that. Once you've got a relationship, he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he indwells in you permanently. Let's not mess around with that. Let's, let's, let's grasp, let's, 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 let's allow that thought to, 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 to invade our minds in a way they're thinking, whoa, this is amazing. I've used the word amazing too many times today. But the indwelling of Christ. And what does he pray? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love that phrase. I've been dwelling on that all week. 
To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's like an oxymoron. So, because it's, 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 it is an oxymoron. It's, it's great because you've come to this point and you think, oh wow, I've experienced God's love. I've, I've known it. And you come to the place and he says, and it's, he, he's suggesting that you come to this place of knowing and yet it's not enough. So there is much more. And it's, you come to another, to, to, to experience and to know God's love a little bit more. And you think, oh, no, there is more. And, and it, 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 it's this fast or the deep, deep love of Jesus that we sing. That's my next point. <laughs> Thank you. So what I've written here is that the, the word that is used there is more than a mental exercise. So it's not only, it's not only the, 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 the head knowledge that there is a God of love. But it's, it's again going back to that, to that illustration. So, so if, if we believe that he is a God of love, then our theology should reflect what we do with that. So if we say that we believe that we, we, we have a God of love, that's good head knowledge. There are several books written about that theology. But what does that mean for the church? How are we going to reflect the love of God for one another? How are we going to reflect the love of God for the people that God has trusted us with or has put into our path? How are we going to reflect our love of God for this city? How are we going to love to, to reflect the love of God for the nations? So, 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 so it's 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 an ex, it's an exper, experiential dimension of this knowledge that it's not only head knowledge, but unless it works out in practice, what's the point? And that's what First Corinthians thirteen says: I can have all of these things, but if I didn't have love. I have nothing. And interestingly enough, what was the rebuke that the angel of the Lord was giving the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation? They'd lost their first love. And the call was to repent and turn back. I look at this and I think if the church in Ephesus needed so much prayer about all these things with an apostle around still alive how much more do we need that? And the fourth thing is that he prays that they will know and will be filled with the whole fullness of God. Wow. Paul is being very ambitious here. Because again, he sees the church with God's eyes. He sees the potential. He sees that God can do it. He sees also that they can do it. Can we pray these prayers for cans? Have we got the guts to go to God and we're saying, God, 
We want for cans to, 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 to grow in our strength for you in, in the dwelling of Christ, in the grasp of his love and in the fullness of God. I'd love for us to be that. I'd love for us to pray that. And I'd love for us to be in the position that we've prayed, we've looked for that, we've been so eagerly on our knees to God for that. And two years' time, years' time, months' time, we see God answering our prayer. This this is how we church show our reliance on God. Otherwise, it's just a mere strategic plan which I'm not interested in. I'd love for us to journey as a church in the next month as we see where God is leading us into this growth and maturity. But I want for us to be grounded in prayer. So I wanted to encourage you to make the most of day spring um, prayer meetings. Um, I wanted to encourage you to make the most of of the park prayer meetings. I wanted to encourage you to pray about this in your discipleship groups, in your own quiet times. I wanted to encourage you to, to drop emails and text messages to one another to say, this is what we're praying for Cairns today. Let's share this passion. Let's share this vision. Let's share this, this, this expectancy that God is at work and he's going to answer our prayers. I'll stop here, but we'll carry on next Sunday. I'd like to pray. Thank you, Father God, that you've given us this opportunity to, or this tool, a prayer. And sometimes, Lord, we we don't know what to pray for. And your word says that your Holy Spirit is able to help us and sometimes we look at this kind of prayers and we see the ambition and the passion that Paul had for the church in Ephesus Lord would you teach us to pray would you teach us Lord to to bow our knees to posture our hearts in a way that we acknowledge that you are in charge here Would you help us, Lord, to tune our hearts with your love? Would you allow us to be part Lord, would you help us to grow in you, in maturity? Would you help us, Lord, to grow in numbers? Lord, we we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.